The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 152 Final Siege on Jerusalem Blackness and the rotting smell of death surrounded Jeremiah in Melchiah's dungeon. Dehydration would soon set in. But even in these nightmarish conditions, Jeremiah was not alone. God was working with his prophet in this mud-filled dungeon. Do your trials sometimes seem unbearable? Jeremiah's life shows us that we can bear it. Although he endured some of the worst trials recorded in the Bible, he delivered an inspiring message of hope that encouraged him throughout his life, even when he was buried up to his armpits in mud. News of Jeremiah's incarceration spread quickly, and one man was greatly concerned the Ethiopian attendant to King Zedekiah, referred to in the Bible as Ebedmelech. Although the Bible doesn't reveal his actual name, his title, Ebedmelech, means servant of the king. He would soon prove to be a servant of the prophet as well. Upon hearing the terrible news, he immediately went to Zedekiah. O king! Ebedmelech wailed. The prophet Jeremiah will die! How? What have they done this time? Zedekiah asked anxiously. The princes have taken him to Malchiah's dungeon, Ibedmelech answered. Malchiah's dungeon? Zedekiah's face turned ashen white. That is horrible, but I left this matter in the prince's hands, and surely they won't let him die. Although he protested, the king was not so naive that he believed it. Ibedmelech shook his head sorrowfully. That's the entire idea. He'll be dead within days. Zedekiah sighed. <sighs> the princes had clearly taken this too far. Thank you, Ebedmelech. Assemble thirty men and take Jeremiah back to his old cell quickly before he dies. Yes, my king, agreed the servant as he ran from the room. First, Ebedmelech gathered up cords and pieces of cloth and rags. He would need them for the rescue. Jeremiah wasn't simply in the mud. He had been lowered into the mire and completely surrounded by it. In order to get the prophet out, they would not only have to overcome the suction power of the mud, but do so without tearing his arms off or accidentally dropping him back into the mire headfirst. The king's servants then gathered 30 men and went to the dungeon. Let's do this quickly. I don't want to be here any longer than necessary. As the team entered the dungeon, they were assaulted by its smell. Perhaps, Ibedmelech thought, some of these old rags can block out the smell. 
The servant threw down the rags and pieces of cloth to Jeremiah. Put these under your arms, he called. Soon, the cords were beneath the material, protecting the underside of the prophet's arms, and the men were pulling for all they were worth. Overcoming the mud at this height was quite a job. But at last, Jeremiah was safely out of the mire. Jeremiah was returned to the comfort of his old cell, able to walk about the courtyard once more. Although he was not fed particularly well, he would not starve. God had saved his prophet. Soon, Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah again. Please, Jeremiah, he began. I have to know what the Babylonians are going to do. Hide nothing from me. Why? So you can have me killed if you don't like what I have to say? I barely survived my last encounter with your princes. Jeremiah could still smell the rankness from the Maya. I know, Zedekiah said. I never should have given them charge over you. And if I tell you what God wants you to do, will you do it? Jeremiah asked the king. Zedekiah looked the prophet squarely in the eye. I promise that as surely as the eternal lives, I will not kill you, and I won't turn you back over to the princess. You can speak freely and safely. Well then, here's the word of God, the prophet replied. If you surrender to the Babylonians, you and your house will live, and the city will not be burned with fire. But if you stubbornly refuse to obey God, he will give Jerusalem to the Babylonians, who will burn it with fire and take you captive. Zedekiah lowered his head. I, ca I, can't, I can't do that. What if they deliver me to the Jews who have already surrendered to the Babylonians? They will mock me for the rest of time. They won't. Jeremiah tried to encourage the king. If you obey God, everything will work out. Zedekiah didn't say a word. Zedekiah! Jeremiah snapped, trying to stir the king. If you ignore God's warning, Nebuchadnezzar will take all of your wives and children. If you ignore God's warning, you will personally be taken captive. If you ignore God's warning, this city will be burned with fire. Don't do this! But the conversation was over. The king would not repent. Jeremiah, I have one final instruction for you. When the princes come to see you, and they will come, don't tell them what you told me. Just tell them you asked not to be returned to the scribe's prison. And that is exactly what happened. After the princes came to see Jeremiah, he remained in the prison courtyard, and he never saw Zedekiah or the princess again. Jeremiah would perform one final act while in prison. His uncle had died recently, and as the next of kin, Jeremiah had the right to purchase his family's land in the city of Anathoth. This was more than a simple real estate transaction, though. God had miraculously told Jeremiah that his cousin Hanamiel would come to the prison asking Jeremiah to buy the land after the death of his uncle Shalom. 
and God wanted Jeremiah to do it. From a human viewpoint, this idea might seem ridiculous. Jeremiah knew his nation was about to be seized by the Babylonians. He was unable to leave the prison. What value would a piece of land in Anathoth have to him? Yet obeying God's instruction, he instructed his scribe Baruch to arrange the sale and weigh 17 shekels of silver to pay for it. An entire chapter of the Bible is dedicated to this purchase. All of the Jews in the prison witnessed the transaction, and two documents were produced as evidence of the sale, one of which would be available for everyone to see, and another official sealed document. Baruch put the seal copy in an earthen vessel and buried it in the ground to protect it from the weather and from fire. With the legal documents delivered to Baruch, Jeremiah prayed to God. He acknowledged that God can accomplish anything and that he brought his people to the land of Israel. But Jerusalem was going to fall to the Chaldeans, which was another name for the Babylonians. Why, then, did God want Jeremiah to buy this field? Miraculously, God replied. He explained to his prophet how, by continuing in their sins, the Israelites and the kingdom of Judah as well had provoked God's anger. Even though God had personally instructed them, they had committed abominations in his house, worshipping Baal. But the day would come, God revealed, that he would gather the Israelites together again. Even though they would be scattered to many countries, he would bring them again to Jerusalem and give them safety. The Israelites would have an everlasting covenant with God and never depart from him or his way of life again. They would again buy fields and vineyards and houses. Clearly, much of this prophecy was for the time ahead of us when Jesus Christ will return to set up his kingdom on earth. That is when mankind will learn to follow God's way of life, never to depart from it again. That is when the descendants of the twelve tribes of Israel will inhabit the land God gave Abraham as an everlasting possession, reaping the blessings that obedience to God's righteous law brings. That fantastic coming of the world tomorrow will fulfill the hope in Jeremiah's purchase in Anathoth. Soon, just as God had warned through his prophet, Nebuchadnezzar returned. Egypt's military attack had not dissuaded the king from his pursuit of Jerusalem. And the chariots, catapults, battering rams, archers and soldiers surrounded the city once again. Zedekiah had rejected Jeremiah's warning for the last time. He would soon face the full power of God's wrath in action. But there was still one piece of good news to be delivered. Jeremiah sent word from the prison that he wanted to see Abedmelech, 
the Ethiopian servant of the king who had rescued him from the miry pit in Malchaya's dungeon. Jeremiah, Ebedmelek said. Do you need my help? No, friend, Jeremiah replied. You have done more than enough. I have a message for you from the Eternal. Because you have trusted him, you do not need to fear the attack that is coming. God will bring evil on this city, but he will protect you from it. Ebedmelek thanked Jeremiah and returned to the king's court, where he would continue to carry out his duties as the king's servant, but not for long. After months of siege, Nebuchadnezzar was no longer content to wait. Gathering his chief military personnel, he ordered a final attack on Jerusalem. Soon, multiple thousands of Babylonian soldiers, heavily armed with military equipment, gathered around Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar stood before his troops and gave the battle cry. The siege is over! Bring down those walls! Arrows soon flew, fired from the Babylonians on the ground and the Jews on the city walls. Battering rams rolled toward the city. Target the drivers! Yelled the general of Judah's army. Though the Babylonian archers were a real threat, the integrity of the wall had to be maintained. The battering rams had to be stopped. The Jewish archers pierced many drivers of the battering rams, but eventually one of the powerful weapons was embedded into the wall. Babylonians flooded to that part of the wall, furiously working the embedded battering ram back and forth, back and forth, trying to dislodge as many stones from the wall as possible. As the Jewish archers focused on the mounting threat, the Babylonian catapults sprang into action. Boulders flew at the wall and battered many Jewish soldiers and dislodged more rock from the wall. This scenario repeated itself over and over as the Babylonians launched more battering rams into Jerusalem's wall. Casualties were heavy on both sides, but the wall was losing its integrity. Then, the Babylonians wedged a battering ram into the city gate. It could not hold long. The battle was all but over. Within the city, the Jews heard the battering rams and boulders pounding on their protective wall. King Zedekiah also heard it. He knew the city would soon fall completely, and he did not want to be there when it did. Under the cover of darkness, Zedekiah abandoned Jerusalem, sneaking out through the garden between two walls. He would flee to Egypt, trusting man rather than God. To be continued in our next episode, and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.